Hey guys, thank you for tuning in. This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Today our guest is Mark Kenny from Think Multifamily. This is a fun one because for a lot of reasons, a lot of great lessons in this one. I love talking to him because Mark is actually the first person that I ever invested in real estate with. Years ago, the first investment in real estate that I ever made was in an apartment deal with Mark at Think Multifamily. Years back, we're exited now, we sold, and that deal was actually rocky. It didn't go according to plan uh, for a lot of reasons. And we're gonna get into that today. What went wrong? Uh, some money was stolen from us. We still made money on the deal, but uh, not as much as we expected. And Mark had a lot of uh, heartbreak, if you will, around that, or a lot of headache. I don't wanna put words in his mouth, but uh, a lot of things didn't go right, and we get into that. We get into a lot of other things about what it takes to go from just a small-time real estate investor to doing big deals. Mark now owns uh, 5,000 units under Think Multifamily. 5,000 units. That is a lot of doors, a lot of people living in those properties, and a lot of income. So I was happy to, to talk with him, catch back up with him, and really address what happened on that deal and a lot of other things that he has learned along the way going from a busy professional to now a very successful real estate investor. So without any further ado, here we go with Mark Kenny from Think Multifamily. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Taylor. Good to see you today. How you doing? Great. Happy to be talking with you again. We've known each other a couple of years now, and uh, it's always great to uh, reconnect. And before we get into you know what we're going to talk about today, can you Tell our listeners about your background and your history, you know, getting to where you are now. Sure. Yeah. So I'm in Dallas now, but I grew up in Michigan, um, one of seven kids. And when I was a senior in college, I was going for accounting and actually was a CPA for, for a little while as well. But my twin brother and I were like, man, it kind of stinks uh, not having like anything you want growing up. <laughs> we had everything we needed. We did. We had food, and which is in the place to live, which is more than a lot of people in the world for sure, but really nothing we wanted. So we're like, it has to be a better way of doing it. So we liked real estate. So let's buy real estate. So we're 22 years old, still in college and started looking at, you know, two to four unit properties. And we got a deal. Uh, first deal my dad talked us out of after it was already under contract. It made me feel like really <laughs> like pretty <laughs> stupid, but I was all nervous and scared when he was talking to me. So he told me, I don't think you should do it. So I stopped listening to him and about two months later got another deal and I uh, didn't tell him until we closed. So that was, that, uh, he couldn't talk me out of it that way. And we started buying two to four units pretty much on our own. We didn't know what syndication was, which is, you know, basically raising money for the people never heard of the concept before. And then I went uh, CPA for a couple of years, did IT consulting and continued to buy uh, smaller properties. And then I had an IT company. I started in 2008. Um, did well. I mean, had a lot of, you know, even Fortune 100 customers and things like that, but I had people kind of all over the world. I would uh, literally sleep three hours a night, pretty much seven days a week. And uh, any project, doesn't matter what it was, doesn't matter what the timeline was, I would do it. And, and uh, wow. it caused some significant issues. Uh, I still was able to spend time with kids, but I didn't spend any time with my wife to meal. And for some reason, she had an issue with that. So <laughs> it, uh, it kind of came to a head. And she said, you, you know, kind of caught me off guard, but she said that she's thinking about leaving. And I was like, kind of like, what? My first reaction is like, 
well, I'm like, I provide for the family. I take care of the kids. I do all these things. What do you want me want from me? And well, she wanted more time. So I said, well, there's no way we can keep buying, you know, two to four, you know, every other year and be able to replace what we're doing income wise. My IT business is doing, doing pretty well. So a friend of mine was syndicating a deal. Never heard of it before, 2013. I invested in that deal and I'm like, first I'm thinking if that guy can do it, I can, <laughs> I can definitely do it. And it made a lot of sense to me. And I uh, started uh, going to like a couple of events and took about a year to get our first deal. But the good thing was both my wife and I were doing it together. So you know, she was involved heavily in it. And we started buying, you know, kind of larger, looking at 100 plus unit properties. I guess I'd do the math. Probably we bought over 6,000 uh, units since then. Wow. We have about 5,000 right now. And uh, so it's probably a little bit more than that. We sold over 1,000. So probably about 6,500 units, something like that. Uh, but it took us like a year to get our first deal because we were looking at franchises and, you know, custom home development and self-storage and everything else. So it was kind of, we were kind of distracted. So that's kind of how we got started, but it wasn't like, Hey, you just bought 5,000 units. It was like slow at first and took us a year and we got a, a second deal, you know, pretty quick and third deal and, and just started compounding from there. But it, it doesn't happen overnight. Like a lot of people hope or wish that it would, <laughs> but, it, but it can happen pretty quickly if you compare it to a lot of other things. Um, but usually need help from people. We have help from other people helping us do do different activities. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I had in, I had invested in one of your deals. I think that was I don't know maybe your second or third or fourth deal. I'm not sure at this point, honestly. Um, but you know, I, I've seen watch your deals over the years since then, and I see you partnering with you know a lot of people to take down all these doors, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, we need to specialize and, and go after our individual areas of expertise in these things. So how do you think about forming a new business partnership, whether it's, you know, bringing in somebody who is going to go hunt deals in a particular market or something like that? Like, how do you find the right person and know that, you know, this is going to be the right person to hunt for deals for us and, you know, whatever market it might be? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the issue, we had some issues, right? With the deal you were on with a partner you know, that is things that he shouldn't. And, you know, you can kind of do everything if you want to say right. And, you know, ask around in the industry, things like that. We had already done uh, <laughs> deals with that guy before. Um, you know, I think take it slow, frankly, and, and, and you know, things can still happen, but uh, we mostly just partner with people in our group now, not that it really matters, but we kind of get to know them a lot better than we normally would. We have a lot of events. We see each other face to face. We have calls on a, I mean, regular basis. So uh, we have a lot more interaction with the people we're partnering with now uh, than we did before. Um, but it's, when I'm looking at somebody, you know, usually I tell people if you can get some sort of skill set and become really good at, you know, a certain area, you don't have to be good at every area of syndication unless you want to be, but get really good at something, but a lot of this comes down to attitude, frankly, you know, uh, personality, you know, one guy that does stuff for us right now and does a lot of asset management for us as well. I mean, every time he ends the, the call, he's like, is there anything else I can do for you? And that's, that's his, you know, every time he has a call, I'm like, yeah. okay. Um, he's act- and he's not just saying it to say it. He actually wants to know if there's stuff he can do. Um, but you know, uh, if someone wants to do something, 
you know, a lot of large, large corporations that things happen internally. Somebody wants to do something to get away with it. It depends how fast you can catch them. That's, that's what it comes down to, you know, and uh, looking at different aspects and <clears throat> excuse me, doing surprise visits. But um, mostly I look for attitude and it is a small world as is the more you're in it. So we'll ask other people, Hey, do you know somebody? Um, and we, we did that with, you know, with the guy you knew too. And we asked people in the uh, local Atlanta market and things like that. And at that time got positive feedback from everyone we talked to, but, as time went on, it's like, yeah, it's just <laughs> not, not a, not a good guy, frankly. Um, but you have to have provisions, you know, it was harder on that deal too, because he was a proper manager and a GP. I personally will never do that again. I'm not saying it's, it's a bad <laughs> thing to do, but I won't. It just made it too complicated. You know, it's just, it's too much of a kind of a conflict. So I don't like that structure, but it's, I'm not saying it's bad. I had a bad experience with it. So that's why I choose not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I don't know how, I didn't even, uh, necessarily mean to, to, uh, <laughs> to even bring that up. It just, I, I don't know. I, no, I, I think people should know it. I mean, yeah. there's, there's definitely, if you're in the business long enough, I mean, talk to people all the time, you know, and, in partnerships as a whole, they don't, a lot of them don't last. Right. And there could be different reasons for it. It could be that, Hey, just a personality conflict or, a health issue and then there could be well this guy's just a crook <laughs> you know okay that's a bigger issue um but it's like i said that that whole conflict for us with a property manager and a general partner in the deal definitely complicated things for us yeah that is one of the that that's an important an important lesson that i learned as a investor in that deal is watching that happen and it's something that i watch out for. And I'm, you know, currently in the middle of something that, you know, fortunately we were avoiding that scenario, but I wouldn't have known to look out for that, you know, yeah. making sure your property manager, okay, great. They're an investor in a deal. Don't have them in the GP though, because then that complicates yeah. things. And this gentleman has since passed away. He's no longer, yes. he's no longer alive, but I don't know how much yeah. we can really like talk about the specifics of that situation. I, I, I know there's a lot that I don't know, <laughs> Uh, there's probably yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's, I mean, right it's in litigation. It's been going <laughs> on for a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, year yeah. and a half. And uh, you know, even though he's not, you know, he, he did pass away, which is you know, it's super sad. It really is. He had three kids and a wife, and it's a horrible, horrible situation. Um, but it's the most bizarre thing I've ever been through from business perspective. Like how someone can actually, I mean, tried suing us, right? Tried suing mm -hmm. me for taking away equity. I'm like, dude, you stole money. You even admit to stealing money. Um. I don't understand what the issue is and every attorney looks at it, it's just scratching their head, but you know, it's still going on. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, it was, yeah. Unfortunate to, to go through it. I'm sure there were a lot of sleepless nights for you okay. in that. And you know, it's, I don't know whether it, you know, my read of the situation from knowing the guy's name and researching and everything and watching, you know, it, it also, it, he didn't just pass away. It looks like he committed suicide too. So that's another, to me, that's my read of it. There's obviously not, it's not in the news and nobody really knows, but um, you know, it's, there's so much that can go wrong in a business partnership. And yeah. uh, you know, if you told me a few years ago before I had invested in the deal that, you know, and, and to clarify for listeners out there, we still made money on this deal. Yeah. But if you told me that these things were down the road, you know, I may have still invested. I don't know. But um, I just would have never seen that coming. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. intrigue, right? 
Oh, it is. And, and, and fortunately, we had a board of directors with five people on there, and he was one of the five, but four of us, you know, voted him out. So we had some some checks and balances in there, but, you know, it just, um, it was a very bizarre uh, situation. But I, I think the industry is, the longer you're in it, the smaller the industry world. I mean, even though more people come into every day, the world kind of gets smaller and you can kind of ask around as you know more people. And then you're like, oh yeah, I heard of that guy. You know, when you're starting out early, it's like you only have access to more people. More people you know, chances are that someone's going to probably hear of somebody you're trying to partner with. Uh, and I've done that before. Uh, someone else has asked about partnering with somebody and I actually had a bad experience with them. Um, they didn't do anything wrong necessarily, kind of try to, uh, I don't know, somewhat screw us on a certain certain thing, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not going to partner with that person. They didn't do anything illegal or anything like that, this particular example, but it was one of those things where it was kind of a very unfair situation, if you want to say. So I'm like, yeah, I never partner with that person. Small world, you know. Interesting. So, you know, you've formed a lot of business partnerships and you say that now you mainly uh, partner with people that are in your group and you, I don't know the specifics of your group, but you're also a, a multifamily educator. Can you tell us a little bit about your group so we can understand, you know, the profile of someone that you might partner with? Yeah. So we do uh one-on-one coaching and I, and I do all the coaching. We don't have any sub coaches and I'm extremely involved and, and I want to be so, you know, hands-on, you know, I, before we started the group, I said I wanted people in our group to be the most educated on the planet and the easiest to work with, <laughs> you know, um, good goals. If you can do those two things, you're going to have more, more deals. You probably can even handle, frankly. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a community. We have people that we're not being mean or exclusive. We have people that want to join our group and we don't let them join the group because we just don't think it's a good cultural fit. Um, but it's all about everyone in the group helping each other. It's called family syndication group where, Maybe you come in, Taylor, and you're good at, you know, whatever, uh, analysis and somebody else is good at raising money. Somebody else is good at, you know, they have a balance sheet for the loan and everyone kind of comes together and we'll do deals that way. And now that's the way the deal can be structured from an equity standpoint, but from a management perspective, it can be completely different. So your equity splits don't have to dictate how you're going to structure from a management perspective. So I could come in and help you on a deal. Let's say I raise all the money and did, you know, all these things and, you say, that's great, Mark, but uh, I'm going to actually, you're going to have all the control, right? You yourself, um, you can do that. So wow. people think sometimes, well, I don't want to give this piece of equity and that person has a, a certain piece of control or voting and doesn't have to match. Hmm. So one of the topics we've uh, talked about on the show with other folks in the past is asset management for multifamily, uh, especially multifamily syndications with a, f a few general partners. And especially when, you know, for somebody at your level with currently 5,000 units. How do you handle that? Because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a basically a big management problem to actually, I don't know, problem, but uh, there are a lot of management needs to, to execute on all these business plans. So how are you handling that? So for the deals I'm doing now, I, I don't asset manage anymore. We have an asset manager, a company that does it for us. That's what hmm. they specialize in. Um, so some people might not understand the difference between an asset manager and a property manager, but the you know, property manager is the one doing the day-to-day -day, uh, leasing, evictions, maintenance, things like that. But then you have an asset manager that kind of oversees 
them and also oversees the investors and you know is responsible for sending out uh, financial documents, things like that. So the new ones we're doing now, I use a third party to do it. Hmm. Interesting. That's uh, I haven't, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that's doing that. Um, why, what drove that decision to use a third party asset manager rather than maybe, you know, hiring someone for, you know, your think multifamily to asset manage just as an employee and, and keeping your asset yeah. management. <clears throat> it's somebody in our group and he kind of, you know, I don't say fell into it, but really kind of took a liking to asset manager and management. And I saw what he was doing on some of the deals we had done together and I already knew him, liked him, trusted him. He's a super smart guy, dedicated. And rather than trying to take a chance, I mean, I didn't really have a year ago, I probably would have said that wasn't something I would even consider doing. But as he started managing some of the asset managing some of the properties we had together, I saw what he was able to do. I was like, it makes a lot of sense just to have him have him do that. If I hire someone else, I have to, you know, vet them, make sure, and then you know, I don't really know what you're going to get, right? Um, until they're there and, and how they're going to perform. Well, he's already shown he can perform, known him for a couple of years. Um, so several people in our group are doing that now, where they actually have this particular, you know, company asset managed properties for them, and it it frees up the syndicator if you want to say to, you know find new deals and they're having a company that sole focus is on asset management. So you're going to get better focus on it that way. Hmm. And are they, um, I don't, you know, you can divulge whatever you uh, care to divulge, but are they compensated on like a gross revenue basis? Are they part of the general partnership or you know, how does that work compared to? Yeah, good question. Yeah. Um, so my my opinion is no, they don't get anything part of the, no, they don't get anything for the general partnership. As, as the asset management piece. And the reason is because it's a replaceable uh, role, right? So if you give someone part of the GP, they're probably going to have it for the duration of the project. Uh, we do, you, we take one and a half to 2% as an asset management fee of total revenue collected. And then there's an arrangement where, um, you know, this particular company will, will keep the majority of it. Um, and then, the syndicator might still get a little piece of it because they're still involved some, but it's a very, very small piece. Hmm. Okay. And what have you found from, from observing, you know, them doing the asset management and having done it yourself, what have you found are some of the keys to doing it effectively? I mean, is it frequent touches with the property manager? Yeah. Is it, you know, what does it come down to? Be good at yeah, it. now we have a kind of a standard too. We get like a you know Monday morning report, and we we've added kind of additional metrics to it. So any property management company we deal with, we'll say here are the metrics that we we want to see on a weekly basis, so we can kind of monitor that way. It is frequent touches. It's also kind of some little surprise visits. Um, you know, that's kind of how with our you know our old partner, right? That's kind mm -hmm. of how things. I'm like, I'm, things don't look quite right. Um, just a surprise visit, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, you know, there's a lot of things around looking at different things like getting broker opinion of values to figure out kind of, you know, what's the property value as of today, even though we usually have a good idea, um, looking at doing refinancing or supplemental loans, all those activities. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really having consistent metrics. Um, the processes are the same across all our properties. Um, when you, when we use a third party asset manager, which I like, um, and then investors get us, you know, a, the same type of report, um, as well on a monthly basis. And, 
he's not doing every property for us, but you know, kind of doing a lot of them and the ones going forward, he will be as well. So it gives that kind of consistency that way. And he's always looking for new things that like he's adding, you know, it's a company, they're creating new, new, uh, new tools and things like that, that probably the typical syndicator probably wouldn't do. Um, especially if they only have a couple of properties when he's managing asset manager, large number of properties, it kind of almost forces him to take it to the next level and start developing his own tools to kind of manage it as well. Mm, yeah. He has to get a lot more systematized, a lot smarter right. about how he's doing those tasks. If he's doing a That's lot right. more. Yeah. It's great. That gives him a lot more uh, efficiency and effectiveness, even as his number of units grows, at least in theory. It does. And it really has proven to be the case. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, I also like to ask at, at someone at your level, really, um, what still drives you? Because I have to think, I mean, obviously you own these 5,000 units with investors. They're not all yours. Right. But if you wanted to go, I don't know, liquidate your part of the holdings or whatever and put it in just cash flow and yeah. go sit on a beach, you could probably do that. Yeah, we but could. What keeps you active now? What, what drives you? <laughs> so originally when I was younger, I said by the time I'm 40, I'm going to retire and just sit on the beach, basically yeah. is what I thought I would do. <laughs> sure. I'm past, well past 40 now. Um, but uh, I was, when 40 hit, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, you know. And then now I'm, you know, <laughs> closer to 50 now. I'm like, well, end of the day, I don't want to go sit on the beach and do nothing. It's just, you know, maybe for a week or so, too. I don't know. But uh, it's the deals. I love deals, for one. Um, when we can add, you know, have a business plan that goes well. I mean, it's great to see that. But really, for me, it's, in, you know, it's really the education piece, which is something, you know, we've only been doing a little over two years. But to see someone brand new come in that knows, like, literally nothing about multifamily, and, you know, the smallest deal anyone did was 90 doors last year. And this wow. year, the smallest one's probably like 110 units. So pretty good first deal for sure. And now some people, you know, one guy did six deals, you know, in like wow. 12 or 15 months. Literally changing their life forever. It really is. Um, and we have people in the group that help us, things like that. But we've been able to develop kind of a platform that allow people that, you know, want to take action. Uh, if they're going to right, and it gives them access to a lot of things they can't just get on their own. And when they're when they get a deal, which you know can be frustrating, some people are like, "Man, I'm looking for a deal. I don't have one yet." I'm like, "Just keep following the process. It, it will happen." But um, people literally are changing their life, and hopefully, changing life for their kids and you know their spouses and things like that. That's what happened to me. You know, I was you know on the verge of you know my wife moving out and things like that. And then matter about, you know, about three years, maybe a little less, able to quit my IT, you know, company completely and, you know, completely changed my whole life as far as we get to work with my wife full time now, way more flexibility. When we do travel, it's, we travel for events, she comes with me, she's totally engaged. And we see other people, the same thing. They're kind of, you know, very few people are working 85, 90 hours a week. And that's extreme. But if you're working 50, 60 hours a week, that's still too many. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't have any flexibility to be able to decide when you, you know, if you work 12 hours a day, that's a long day. You're not going to see your kids most likely much at all. Um, so the biggest driver for me, literally, especially the guy, the, the guy or gal that gets their first deal, it's like, 
I'm like, like I was so excited. One person in our group, she had a deal. They, well, she didn't have the deal. She, someone else got the deal. I'll bid her. Then they called broker, called back and said, "Oh, you have the deal now." And then next day, said, "Oh no, the the seller is going to go back to the first buyer." So she's like emotional roller coaster, right? And then just last week, I think it was Thursday or Friday, um, the broker called and said, "It's it's yours now." So I mean, I was so excited for her. I really was. Like, my wow. gosh, so so excited because she had an emotional roller coaster and. Um, it's a good, it's a great deal. Actually, it's in a new market, things like that. So, to see people that want to take action actually take, you know, take the action and and start getting deals and start making money off it. I mean, ultimately, you need if you want to replace your income, you're gonna to have to make money. People are like, oh, it's not about, it's not all about the money. It's not for me either. But you still need money to to live. Right. And yeah. uh, you can't quit your job if you're not making any money. So, if you're gonna syndicate, you need to make money off it. Absolutely. So, um. Shoot, I just lost my, oh yeah, no, I've got the question back. So when you're, I'm curious about how you work with these new people because I think there's a lot of um, information out there or a lot of uh, educators, if you will, out there that are saying, oh, get into syndication. Uh, you know, my program is whatever tens of thousands of dollars, but you don't need any money to actually syndicate real estate and what have you found for the new people doing syndications that are successful? What do they really need to bring to the table to close a deal or six deals in a year, whatever it takes? So I'm sure you have a range of people, just like any program, you have people yeah. who invest in it and then don't do anything. That's right. People who invest in it and, and kill it. So what separates the successful from the unsuccessful? Yeah, I think we had uh, about I think 78% of people got into a general partnership in six months or less, which wow. is really, really high. Yes. Um, and I think what it is, is that, you know, you don't have to necessarily do the things you don't like to do. We, we tell everyone you have to, if you don't like numbers, you still need to understand them enough to be able to make an informed decision. So we're like, um, <laughs> we do a lot of educate. We're doing a two day deal analysis workshop tomorrow and on Saturday, uh, bring your computer. One topic is deal analysis let's go, <laughs> you know, and, uh, people really, you know, it's a really good kickstart. A lot of people in there are brand new in the group and things like that. But the biggest thing I've seen is that, Hey, focus on an area, whether, uh, you know, do you need to have money? It's always easier if you have money. It just is. But we have a number of examples. So when people are like, you know, Hey, you don't need any money. I would say it's true, but somebody, you know, needs to have money. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, uh, you're not going to make it happen without any money. So with our group, we have a number of people that uh, really don't have li liquid liquidity, right? And they get a deal and somebody else puts earnest money down for them. So Josh and Emily in our group, I think have put earnest money down on like six or seven deals for other wow. people. Um, you know, I've signed on like 18 out of 20 loans last year of the, in the group, you know, things like that. So it's picking something one that you like because you're just gonna be better at it that you kind of can come up to speed the fastest so if you have an engineering background or it you're probably gonna get good at deal analysis um you might not be as good at raising money i don't know maybe maybe not but some people think they have to do it all but we you can find deals that's the hardest thing to do if you don't have a track record or you don't have a partner that has a track record so you don't need money to do that but it's really hard you can analyze deals for other people we have people in our group that analyze deals for other people that are more experienced and they get part of the general partnership for analyzing deals, which is a cool way to do it. Um, a lot of people like numbers. 
you know, you can sign on the loan, you can be an asset manager, you can raise capital and raising capital. You have to do some other things too, in order really to be part of the general partnership. But the biggest thing is we've seen people, they're on calls, they're going to events, they're going to meetups, not every, I mean, you could go to an event every day if you wanted to, right? You have to balance mm -hmm. it, but they're active, actively going out, talking to people, meeting people. Um, they're going to different states sometimes, look at properties. So it's all, it's all action-based, frankly. And then building those relationships with people, you know, let's say for example, if I can't, I can't analyze a deal and you can, um, then I might, I mean, I can go find deals. We kind of have a relationship that way in, in I kind of orchestrate some of that in the group as much as I can. Like, hey, so-and-so looking for someone to analyze deals. You're good at analyzing deals. Why don't you guys talk? And that's how a lot of partnerships get started that way. But number one is action. It, it is another job. Um, it is. I mean, you can work nights, weekends. And so if you're not willing to put in some extra time, it's just not going to work out. Um, and then don't wait till you know everything because, one, you're never going to know everything. And um, there are a lot of aspects to it. And pick something that you're you think you can get really good at quickly, and then kind of add value to somebody else. And that's where we've seen people. We have a couple of examples of people that want to do it all on their own, and and frankly, they struggle, or they pick one market, Dallas, Texas. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like I mean, yeah, I can tell you, I'm not saying it's impossible, but you're going to be looking a long time, and you're going to be outbid. And if you look, if you're not willing to, you know. My, my opinion, probably overpay for properties, and that's, that's probably not fair to say because nobody knows what's going to happen, but it's, it's definitely appearing some people are overpaying for some properties um, in Dallas right now, in my opinion. So uh, being open-minded to different markets is a, is a big thing, and then developing those relationships in those markets is, is key. Hmm. Interesting. That's all very good to know. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Mark, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment that you ever made? I was a 321 unit deal. Um, we pulled out 87% of the capital in 15 months. Wow. On a refi. Wow. And hung on to the property and enjoyed the cash flow till you sold we it. We right? sold the property wow. and it's cash flowing and we, it's, it's one of those that not everything goes 100% the way it should, but this is one of those ones that did did and actually better than we <laughs> kind of imagined. You know, it was, but it's a, it's it's riskier, right? 68% occupied when we bought it. It's a riskier Ooh. deal. Wow, where was that? Memphis. Memphis. Um, I might know that property. What, what's the name of it? Country View. Country View. When did you close on that? Oh, good question. Uh, 18 months ago, probably. No, okay. it had to be uh, about 24 months ago. Okay. I was trying to figure out if I was on the deal distribution list for that one and I missed out on oh. it. Sounds like I did. <laughs> Sounds like have. I missed on that one. You might have. It's easy to do after the fact. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Second question. What is the worst investment you ever made? Not the one that you were in, but with the partner that you were in. Uh, there's another deal you don't even know about, a third mm. property that he owned. Um, property itself was fine, but he, he stole way more <laughs> on that property oh, man. and a uh, bunch of liens and you know, like I said, still in litigation, but that by far has been the worst um, investment. Wow. Wow. I can only imagine. Yeah. My favorite question. Number three is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in investing? 
Um, patience. You know, when you're especially when you're younger or you're trying to get money quickly, you might just be apt to you know just sell a property or just like that by being patient. Very few people look back and say, "I'm so glad I sold that property." Usually, like, "Man, I wish I still owned that property." I talk to people <laughs> almost every day. I drive by the property that I I owned, you know, 20 years ago. Now it's worth you know 10 million. I, you could have bought it for one and a half million, and so being patient. And you know, a second one I would say. It basically being not a pushover, but easy to work with. So doing what you say you're going to do in every case, even if it doesn't seem like it's going to benefit you, but still doing the right thing. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Well, Mark, thanks for everything today. It's been great talking with you again. And, and I've learned, I learn a lot every time I talk to you. So definitely appreciate that. If folks want to learn more about you and your business and all, you, all that you're doing, uh, where can they get in touch with you? They just email me. It's Mark, M-A-R-K at thinkmultifamily.com. And we'd love to chat with anybody. Man, you must get an incredible number of emails. I don't know how you keep uh, We get a lot of emails. <laughs> we, did, we did a large podcast about a month ago. I think we had like 80 people reach out to us. <laughs> wow. Podcast. Wow. So, um, yeah, but it's good. I mean, you know, it's always, it's good to chat with people. Yeah. And you have a podcast yourself, right? I do. What's the name of that? The Think Multifamily. The Think Multifamily Podcast. Yes, yeah. It's newer. I think we have about 15 episodes so far. But uh, it was it was a long time in the making, but it's out there now. So now we're committed. Hey, I hear you, man. It's uh, yeah. We're recording this in on uh, November 14th of 2019. And I started working on this podcast, I think, in September of 2018. So I've been oh, working wow, on yeah. this for over a year. This seems pretty similar to us, <laughs> but now you're committed, right? You have them going, so it's good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks once again for joining us today. I've, you know, it was a, a very, uh, in, in addition to making money on that deal, it was, it was interesting to, you know, watch you handle the very difficult situation as, you know, <laughs> that, that, uh, property those properties uh went through the business case it's interesting to hear uh that you were in another partnership there that was even in an even worse scenario but also yeah. that you've um you've dealt with that and and continue to grow your business outside of that so yeah. definitely commend yeah. you for that yeah no thanks it was great chatting with you great talking to you as well to everybody thank you for tuning in if you're enjoying the show please leave us a rating and review on itunes it's a very big help if you know anyone that could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives please share the show with them and bring them into the fold thank you for tuning in today i hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week and we'll talk to you on the next episode Bye bye